You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello everyone, this is Marta and this is Anna and this is You've Got Five Options show. Yes, it is, if you haven't noticed because our intro was on. Marta, I'm very happy to see you here again. We were just guests on another radio show that actually is played uh, exactly in the same time uh, frame as ours, but on Thursdays. So I have to say it's good to be back on a host seat, but it was fun to be a guest, wasn't it? I really enjoyed being a guest. It's so much easier than being a host. Super easier. <laughs> Actually, now I feel a bit stressed because today I will be leading this show and I have to be mindful about the time and we have two guests, guys. So we are super fortunate today. And uh, I I feel a little bit love like of this uh, you know, like stress. I think people call it stress. And it's so weird because it was so relaxed with Maunus. So guys, if you want to hear us as guests on the show called Dennis Sir, Help. Dennis Help is, yeah? Which translates to Thursday with Maunus Messen. Then please tune in on Thursday at two o'clock, exactly as you tune in for our show. Um, uh, I think we provide the live stream link everywhere and also 98.7 FM in Aarhus area. Yeah. And then afterwards, of course, Maunus will release it as a podcast. So so you can catch us there. Yeah. Yes, for those of you who are actually watching us, I think it would be nice if uh, we introduce that gentleman that is uh, sitting uh, here uh, in between us. If you're listening to us on the radio or on podcast, you could just go by. But we do actually have a guest here at the studio with us. Yes. And uh, yes, I will actually make a proper introduction because I said that we have two guests, but you can see only one guest. And we have two guests because today we have two very important questions that I want to have answered. And one is, what kind of music would emerge if you combine a pair of renowned Danish electronic producers with two of the most exciting jazz musicians around? And Anatoly, that's not a question for no, you, so you should be. <laughs> yes. And what the second very important question we have today is, why are the expats the unhappiest in the happiest country in the world, which is Denmark? And that will be the question, of course, for you, Anatoly. Hello, Anatoly. Great hello, to have hello. you here. Hello, uh, Anna and, uh, and Marta. Thank yes. You. And Dennis. Uh, thank <laughs> you so much for thank you so much for the for the invitation. We are super excited to have you here. I actually have a couple of things to say about you before we will jump into your part. So Anatoly is an expert of a, on a Danish culture, and he actually is a lecturer who is. Uh, yeah, having a lecture. I think it's called a lecture, not a public speech. It's a lecture. Well, it's a lecture. It's a, it's a talk. Yes, that is called a Danish culture is an extreme. 
Is it right. correct? Yeah. Yes. That's called an extreme in, is an inverted commas, of course. Of course. So that's the title. Yeah, that's the yes. title of the lecture. So that's that's quite, uh, I would say, catchy and a bit controversial title for it. And you are also an art, uh, art author of two and soon to be three mm. articles in a series that is called Why Are the Expats Than Happiest in the Happiest Country in the World? And I have read your first two articles and I have also seen a lot of reactions and a lot of comments, and I also uh, understood from comments that you got also private messages from people mm. and so on. So my first question before we will go to the second guest would be, did you expect that reaction? Well, uh, in many ways, I I sort of didn't because the what I was just simply doing was pointing out to, to a report, actually it's six reports mm -hmm. that were published in the last six years from the Expat Insider, which is the largest expat organization uh, in the world. And they have, I think, uh, a bit over 2.4 million members. And uh, what they do, they make, they make some kind of surveys um, uh, every year where they find out, they have a lot of questions, but among other things, they also find out the well-being uh, of expats worldwide. Uh, and they'll also they look they also have a methodology and a typology as to what is an expert when is an expert an expert and so on because probably there are those differences between probably between an expert a foreigner immigrant and you have refugees and so on but they have that and those reports are published they are public they are they are every year and I simply just noticed something and what I noticed mm -hmm. is Denmark I could say also the the Nordic countries. In many ways, they score the best when it comes, for example, to work and life balance, to uh, family life and so on, so on, safety. But at the same time, they also score as poorest in uh, settling in. I mean, the hardest place in the world for expats to settle in. And when we say to settle in as a, as a topic, there are also other subtopics as, for example, finding friends, uh, feeling at home and so on. So that, of, that is just simply what I... Uh, I kind of noticed and I mm -hmm. wrote, I don't know, three paragraphs on that on LinkedIn and it was uh, 17,000 views and uh, suddenly it just exploded in a way. Yeah. I saw a Polzikin wrote, I saw some, um, some interviews with other experts and somehow it went all over the place. But otherwise, these reports have always been there, public. I mean, they're public reports. Yeah. And of course, this discussion and debate started uh, as to... I think in many ways, it's also the title. We have to sort of uh, consider that some people do read only titles. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, or headlines and such. That so they don't correct. go into details because of course I say we should look at it critically and what does that mean and so on and so mm -hmm. on. But it's still, I think it is quite interesting why is that experts uh, claim or say, uh, if we are to take this serious, uh, that they, it's so difficult to find friends, to settle in and feel at home. I found out uh, also acquaintances and, and friends who have lived here 15, 20 years from, and, and I was surprised also in their comments that I know personally that they actually said, yes, we have acquaintances, we know people as such, but we don't really have friends. And this to me kind of came into like, okay, so it's just not, uh, you know, it came from many, and of course, a lot of people have a lot of things in their heart, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's also more sort of uh, you know, personal stories. And then they wrote to me, you know, directly over LinkedIn. Okay, uh, so that, yeah. So basically, this is how it happens. So guys, if you are interested, what else Anatoly found? And 
other questions regarding happiness in the in the happiest country in the world or rather unhappiness then you have to definitely stay with us <laughs> but now we will actually come back to the first question that Anatoly unfortunately cannot answer and Marta I'm also sure you cannot answer what will happen if we get to Danish producers and jazz musicians and I can you know get some funky answers for you yes. I don't know if they will be any sort of correct but uh, but I think we will just leave it for uh, for Niklas Knudsen from Kala because that will be our uh, music musical musical guest and uh, we will call him in a moment so he will join us over the phone but in the meantime I believe that Denise can hit us with our jingle artist of the week Superman music brings to you artist of the week. So we are now calling uh, Niklas, and I am pretty sure that my embarrassing ringtone will be here. Hello? Hello, Niklas. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yes, this is Anna and Marta from You've Got Five Options. And thank you yeah. so much for being our musical guest for this episode. And we are looking at your website, and I see that you won a Danish Music Award in 2017. Yes. That do. that is uh, very very impressive and actually I don't know if you know but uh, Dave who has uh, get us in con- contact for this show he told me that you are his favorite Danish band. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have to say that uh, he surprises me because he never told me that and then he's like I got you my favorite Danish band. So, uh, Niklas, I think first I will ask you a very obvious question because when I mentioned before that we will have a guest from Kalaha and everyone thought that it has something to do with the uh, very famous strategic board game. Uh, please yes. tell us why did you call the name Kalaha? Yes. The the very old board game called Kalaha uh, is actually a very simple game. You can put some stones in some sand and you can play the game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the game is very complex. If you want to win the, the game, it's very complex to figure out where to put the stones and stuff like that. So it's a very simple game, very easy to set up, but also it's a very complex game. And that's kind of the same with the Kala's music, it's in, in a way it's very simple and in another way it's very complex. And furthermore, you know, I, li- I like to play games mm-hmm. and um, people have been playing games, you know, a thousand years, for a thousand years and people have been playing music for a thousand years. So they also have like a relation there, games and music, in my opinion. Okay, that's a that's a very a philosophical answer. I have to say, I did not <laughs> expect that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. I, I have to say, I have not mastered the the Kalahada game. Marta, you know something about it? Oh yes, I do play it. I have three kids, uh, and I yeah. play uh, Kalahada therefore many times <laughs> because yeah. all of them have actually been enjoying playing that game. So uh, I'm yeah. pretty familiar with the game. I'm also pretty sure that you could you could win with me very easily. Maybe, maybe not. 
Yeah, we, we should set it up. Yeah, we'll set it up some, someday, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I have actually at the beginning of the show asked a question. Uh, what kind of music would emerge if you combine a pair of renowned Danish electronic producers with two of the most exciting jazz musicians around? And I think you know that question very well because the answer is Kalaha. Oh, but, yeah. uh, but I have to say that uh, when I listen to your music, one thing is quite striking. You don't have vocals right involved yeah it's only uh, uh, it's only instrumental music so i would like to ask you if i would go to see you live what could i expect because of course there is no vocalist so it's only instruments but what 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 kind of experience will i get to a carrier concert you could ex expect like a lot of energy mm -hmm. a lot of uh, dance energy both like uh, <laughs> upbeats but also like slow beats and at the same time you could uh, experience like improvisation and very creative musician kind of uh, communicating at the same time so it's like uh, we're communicating but we're also playing some sort of uh, dance danceable energetic music but i have to tell you also that we actually did some vocal Uh, tracks and the next single is like a vocal track with a Turkish singer. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and we're actually trying to maybe get to Turkey and play some some um, festivals over there because we have mm -hmm. like this Turkish singer who and this tune was played a lot on Spotify in Turkey. Okay, that that yeah. sounds like a good deal to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, I actually have seen your videos from the live performances, and they are quite cool. You also have a light show, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's another thing that uh, I think some people could appreciate. Oh and, yeah, of course. Yeah. And we will be playing one of your songs very soon. Before I will ask you three other very very uh, <laughs> different questions. Uh, so then, okay. guys, you will be also able to experience a bit of a Kalaha music on the on the show. But of course, you know, Christmas is coming, and this show will be actually aired on 13 of December. So please tell us what did you ask Santa for Christmas. I asked Santa for uh, a very long life. I want to be 1,000 years old. 1,000. Hmm. Yeah. That could be a lonely life, you know? <laughs> Saying yeah, goodbye. I, I think they made a movie about this. I think it was Highlander. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. Okay. I, I can understand that. And of course, as you are a musician and the Christmas fever have started, please tell me what is, in your opinion, the absolutely worst Christmas song ever? I mean, I don't want to say some tunes are, are, are worse, but I'm very tired of Maria Carey's uh, <laughs> All I Want for Christmas because I hear it all the time. So it's not only because it's a... It's an okay song. It's just a matter that you hear it like 10 times a day. So I'm really, really sick of that tune. So, so uh, yeah. all you want for Christmas is not Mariah Carey. Is it not Mariah Carey? It's not a Mariah Carey. You don't want her anymore on the radio. Yeah. At least not with this a song, little, of A little course. break for Mar Mariah Carey. Maybe play some more John Lennon. Okay, that's a, that's a very interesting answer. They made yeah. a Christmas song, right? The Beatles, or they didn't? Oh, he did a, a Christmas song called yep. uh, Happy Christmas, Happy New Year, War's Over. Ah. And also, yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of like great Christmas songs, like old Christmas songs, but they don't play them anymore. They play All I Want for Christmas with Maria Carey and Chris Rea coming back to 
for Christmas. Those coming home tunes for Christmas. Yeah, coming home for Christmas. They're playing it all the time. Yeah, that's is, that same, is correct. Plus George yeah. Michael, Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart, of course. Yeah, I've heard that also, yeah. but that's a, I, I have a... I, I like that tune for some reason. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so now the last question before we will play yeah. the song is... And that ties up to the theme of our program today, which we will be uh, continuing with Anatoly, who is our guest in the studio. But please tell me, Niklas, as a Dane, do you believe that Denmark is indeed the happiest country in the world? I don't know, because I've not been, I've only been living in Denmark my whole life. Yes. So I've been visiting other countries. I've been living one year in United States, and I've been, you know, visiting many countries, but I've never been living there for a whole life. Okay. So I don't know how it feels to live in, let's say, Africa or America or China. I don't know how it feels. The only thing I can say is I really like to be here in Denmark. I like Denmark. And from what I've seen all over the world, Denmark is a place where you can live a very good and happy life. Okay. And with yeah. that answer, uh, I will end our little interview. So please tell us why did you so choose the song that you chose? It's Mama. And please tell me how to pronounce it. Mamanguma. Yes. Why this song? I like this song. I think it's a happy song that uh, you can dance to, but you can also just sit and listen and, you know, hear all the, the, the rhythms and notes and sounds. I like this. Okay, so guys, with a special dedication for you, uh, Mama Nguma. Yes, thank you very much, Niklas. Thank you and thank have you. a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
with Mama Ninga. Now I wish I would have actually uh, uh, someone to pronounce it for me, but a very nice and very lively song. So that was great. And now we are crossing over to our challenge of the week. A very challenging challenge. So guys, I am fully aware that we are basically just uh, touching the tip of an iceberg today because this topic can be discussed as a separate season of a radio show. But today we are discussing uh, unhappiness in the happiest country in the world, especially from the expat perspective. And before I will tell you what the challenge of the week is, I would like to quote um, something from your article, Anatoly, if that's okay. In the expat's eyes, Denmark is one of the best countries in the world to have a family with great options for child care. It is very safe, highly digitalized, and it provides an amazing balance between work and leisure. But on an absolutely different extreme, it is the worst country when it comes to personal happiness, feeling at home, friendliness, and finding friends. Denmark is overall the hardest place in the world to settle in, with a score of 63 out of 64 countries in 2019. It is precisely the category of easy of settling in that has been dragging Denmark down. In fact, the yearly expat insider survey reports of 2018, 17, 16, 15 and 14 show the same. Denmark is top most difficult place in the world to settle in. What one could endlessly discuss, what is personal happiness or our uh, our own experience as an expat in Denmark. However, if we are to take the survey seriously, I think it is intriguing that Denmark, according to the 2019 World Happiness Report, has world's second happiest citizens right after Finland. While we know that Denmark has been a champion in scoring top of the list when it comes uh, to being (coughs) the happiest country in the world, that in itself is a contradiction and it begs the question. Why are the expats then happiest in the happiest country in the world? So, challenge of the week is from your research, but also your personal stand. Please tell us what do you find as the biggest challenge for expats to feel happy in the happiest country in the world? <coughs> Marta, are you okay? Well, 
I'm so sorry. I have a small cold <laughs> and my throat is now acting out. So I'm really sorry for no, I'm trying a... to be hiding as far as possible from the microphone, but I can't hold back. You can try under <laughs> under the table. <laughs> as you can see here in the studio, we have a truly live experience of how it would go so but coming back to the challenge so what do you think is the biggest challenge for expats to actually feel happy in the happiest country in the world well also the way the way the reports uh, the report shows and also some way they they, they go also on details it's uh, it's about uh, you know uh, making contact mm -hmm. uh, being in contact this uh, social contact that perhaps it's uh, it's uh, in this case or it's something that is very typical to to northern europe is difficult to do or difficult to have Mm -hmm. uh, Danes uh, make friendships for, from very young age and they are very conscious about their, their friendships and their friends. So they have perhaps, uh, in a way, would say they have few good friends from, from an early age. Uh, and if they are supposed that they would, they would become your friend, that's something really, how should I say, they need to really manage that as such. And in, in, this is just one point. On the other side, uh, privacy is such a, it's, it's a sacred in Denmark. It's really hard to come uh, to get in, to get close to Danes in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and this is perhaps in a way what the report also shows. Uh, what is interesting is that uh, uh, it points out to the, that, that comparing to the, to the global average, uh, there are higher chances that experts make friends with other experts mm -hmm. uh, than with the with the locals. In co I cannot remember now exactly the percentage, but still the the global average is much bigger than the Danish one, and it goes on uh, like that. There are of course uh, many sort of reasons you could say why, and could say subjective reasons people might mm -hmm. might find it difficult. But but it is there is something there, yeah. um, I think. Uh, and in many ways, of course, the way I take it further also on the articles is that I try to explain some. Somehow, uh, that it is, uh, it is, uh, or the root of that is, is, or the answers in that isn't, isn't the Danish culture. What I call mm -hmm. Danish culture is an extreme, in a sense that the expectations in compar in comparison to the whole world in Denmark are very different. Uh, let's say if you go now, I don't know, um, out in a bar and sit and you start talking to someone, they might think, I mean, we don't just do that, right? You don't just mm -hmm. uh, start talking, they might think you are, um, I don't know, unless you have some business or something as such, yeah. but you don't just uh, start get into contact with someone. So the way you reach people is very different than any other place in the world or many other places in the world. Mm -hmm associations, organizations, it could be sport, it could be politics, it could be anything else, the way you get to people. And and in many ways, I think this has been very challenging for for, 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 for expats. Of course, uh, everybody has something on there. I also think a lot of things are, I mean, Danes are also misunderstood uh, mm -hmm. very often. Uh, I remember someone, of course, I'm not going to use names here, but I remember someone who... who That's a pity. <laughs> <laughs> no, someone who told me that, that he got very, very sick at work, an expat, let's say, and none of his colleagues really, really, well, they asked them, him a little bit, but none of, none of uh, them came to, uh, I don't know, to hospital or came to see why he's sick. And he was thinking, or was seeing this as a very cold, distant uh, uh, way of doing things, like mm -hmm. how come they don't care about him? But we know, for example, Denmark being sick is a private matter. It's a personal matter. Mm -hmm. you, it's, it's private. It's nobody's business. You are allowed to be sick. Nobody is supposed to poke their nose. So, so in that sense, this is also what I try to do in this, uh, mm -hmm. in this uh, articles as they come, where I look at, uh, as you saw the, the last one, I looked at equality, uh, the one that comes on Sunday, I look at trust and how does that affect uh, mm -hmm. life? And, and uh, again, I say it's an extreme, uh, the degree of trust. 
Mm-hmm. We will actually yeah. go back to yeah. the to oh, the extreme. No, that's yeah. fine. You are making a very good teaser <laughs> for our wisdom of the week. But basically, so it, as I'm trying to paraphrase you now in a very mm-hmm. simple manner. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about the contact and the uh, easiness of making connections in the country with with also the local uh, with local community. But that's that's exactly what it uh, it points out. The report mm-hmm. it's that it's it's uh, it's quite difficult to to well to make friends and so on. Mm-hmm. in a traditional, uh, worldly way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what they say, uh, the expats in the survey, mm-hmm. uh, that they have acquaintances very often, but not friends as such. Okay. Uh, and, and perhaps this is where this uh, source of unhappiness, as we say. And of course, it is a paradox. Denmark has scored top happiest country in the last four decades. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so so the way uh, I forgot the name, the one you asked him, and that's what pretty much general opinion is. People Danes are generally quite happy about their country. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is very interesting. I don't know what with the translation of selglad. They are so they are so uh, self content. They are self content. They are so so happy with their country that in percentage, and this comes from a sociologist from Copenhagen University, Peter Gundelau, he's very famous, who looked into the Danish uh, values, and he looked mm-hmm. at Sweden. Uh, Netherlands and Denmark, they if and when they were asked about, uh, I mean, how happy or uh, would you choose your country over others? Sweden, Netherlands, Germany, they score somewhere there 15, 17. Denmark scores 65. Whoa. Okay. So, so there is this sense of, of this is a great place in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say somewhere they bought us a little bit of narcissism in the sense that this is such an amazing place. How can others? And, and this is a paradox somewhere there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Sociologically, somewhere that they see that maybe this is also a source of unhappiness for outsiders, mm-hmm. uh, because because in many ways uh, uh, Denmark is a kind of a club of clubs. It's a, it's a, that is a very close knit uh, society that is a little bit difficult to have access to. Penetrate <clears throat> and then again we go yeah. to the report where it's explained that well, in this sense, a lot of experts make friends with experts. Mm-hmm, uh, uh, yeah. Instead of making uh, experts, uh, that's that's somehow what they point out too, mm-hmm. and it does make sense to me. It yeah. does make sense. I actually sense, have um, to say that you have pointed out to another segment, so you are doing a very good job at teasing the rest of the of the program because we will also talk about if uh, if Danes are actually the happiest people <laughs> in the world, really. Right. Uh, but uh, I I would have to say I tend to agree with you, Anatoly. And uh, before we will jump further, I would like to ask Marta, who is an expat. Uh, yes, Marta, you are an expat. P- please. Just admit it. Yes, I am an expat and I think I fall under that definition because you've mentioned that there are definitions exactly. for expat, immigrant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so on. So the way I came to Denmark was uh, as a wife, expat wife, yeah. uh, meaning that my husband uh, got, uh, yeah, expat, yeah. <clears throat> he, uh, he got headhunted by a Danish company and he dragged me along by force. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm an expat. And uh, yes, I found it very difficult to settle in Denmark. Mm-hmm. The feeling of loneliness and not being a part of the club has been very strong. I mm. was actually depressed every time I was coming back from home after Christmas or summer vacation the first few years. Mm-hmm. So it it was very hard for me to settle in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I completely, uh, I'm kind of within the statistics. (laughs) I would add also the language. 
as mm. one of the language barriers. Language course, the yeah. same. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. It is in the same category. Yeah. As mm -hmm. the, yeah, I would say that it's a big barrier because in most of the countries of the world, you need to speak the language of the country to settle in. And Danish language is very difficult to begin to start talking. Like I've mentioned that on other shows, I lived in the Dominican Republic with Spanish language. After three months, I had absolutely zero problems to talk to everyone on the street and do mm -hmm. my business. Mm -hmm. In Denmark, I couldn't do it af even after five, seven years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the language is for sure something that adds on to this difficulty to enter into mm -hmm. the club of the clubs. Yeah, and, and I think... A lot of experts, I think, uh, they imagine that uh, this contact will just happen, including language and so on, but contact with others mm -hmm. will just happen. I don't think it's the, it's the case in Denmark. Contact with others, social contact, let's say outside of work, right, is an effort. You mm -hmm. must do something for it to happen. You must act. You must uh, sign up to clubs. I don't know. You must initiate something for that matter. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you think that will just happen. It will come to you. If you stay on your couch or behind your computer, it just not happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot, of, I think somewhere there, there is that thing that a lot of people just kind of think that it will just happen. Maybe, maybe other place in the world it just happens, not in Denmark. And we know as well that, for example, uh, at work, we separate work with, uh, I mean, we, we know each other professionally, but not personally as such. We don't really actually care about your personal life that much. Maybe we know you have a kid or two, you're divorced or married, but otherwise we separate that, right? Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't happen at work, right, let's say, right, then, I mean, then if and you don't know anybody, then you imagine, okay, how how should this happen? Where How do you come? And this is where I argue somewhere there that it is an effort. Um, it's hard to explain, but it is an effort, including language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I think that uh, surprisingly, mm. Anatoly, you are just feeling the show so intuitively because I wanted to ask you, each time we have a challenge, is there a solution? And you just said you actually have to lower your expectations regarding that it will just come and you have to do something. So basically, expats who are counting on having any local uh, friends or having some contact actually have to do an effort. Is that what you exactly? Would? And uh, I don't. I know that um, also the title and perhaps the topic. Very often people fall into this good, bad. Uh, who mm -hmm. are you with? <laughs> yes. uh, kind of. But it's yeah. not about that. I would also say if we have to be a little bit, pr a little bit more pragmatic. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of experts want to survive, to make it, to to do well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe to improve the statistics, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so in that sense, I think if I had to to to, it's just something you have to really just like the way you go to work where you're mm -hmm. kind of consciously about you I need to get this somewhere there it's a little bit the same you need to put an effort into that and I know it's frustrating it's difficult it's mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I've I've seen I've heard I've read it's a lot of people are frustrated because it's very difficult to come in in contact mm -hmm. um, with the Danes as yes. such yes so somewhere there you need to say okay what do they do I mean um, and a, a tip, a, a small tip, for example, is joining uh, associations, clubs, mm -hmm. organizations, because that's what things do. I think it was 93% or at least part of one association. It could be, yeah. Of the, so, so it's something that it's a it's something that is, you know, historically has been developed there. This is how people meet. Do you mm -hmm. like whiskey? There is a whiskey. Um, I can guarantee there is a whiskey association. <laughs> do you like uh, golf or do you like whatever? I know it might be, uh, well, it will not happen like this. And uh, it's some kind of, I mean, friendship in Denmark and so on. It's like, it's like growing a plant. 
it grows slow. <laughs> But <laughs> you it can't grows. release, yeah, somewhere. So it's, it takes time and so on, right? Um, yeah. And I think that a big challenge here is that, of course, majority of those associations are in Danish vast, vast majority. So taking mm -hmm. under consideration that you first need to have at least a medium level of the language that is extremely difficult to learn. That's mm -hmm. a big effort to be able to come to the point where you can actually join such an uh, association. Yeah. Right. But I normally they are, well, normally it's easy. It's easy to enter, enter but easy. probably it's harder to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. That yeah. to be able to participate, to mm. participate fully. Well, I guess yeah. to drinking whiskey could could work. That could soon. help <laughs> your Danish well, abilities. Example, yeah. I, I would like to yeah. say. But guys, uh, fantastic discussion, and let's jump to bullshit of the week when we will look at the other side of happiness in Denmark. Say what? It's bullshit. It's bullshit of the week. So the introduction to the bullshit of the week will be extremely short and simple. Denmark is the happiest country in the world. True or bullshit? Yeah, I know. I uh, went so simple with that. I don't want to make it like, okay, this is bullshit. But uh, okay, is it true or is it false? Because we talk about this happiness in Denmark. Expats are super unhappy, but are Danes happy, truly happy? Did they really find the recipe for happiness? And uh, we actually have just discussed this on the previous show uh Thursday with Maunus uh, Madsen that you will be able to hear. That is a topic that could be discussed for hours, but I am very curious of your opinion. And actually, I will start with Dennis, who is a Dane, <laughs> and he can tell us something about it firsthand. So, Dennis, is Denmark really the happiest country in the world for a Dane? No. Okay, I like short and <laughs> Straight to the point. Straight to the point, but um, okay. No, I, so. I mean, when you frame the question, I've, I've seen the way that you, you question people all over the world. Mm -hmm. If you, When you frame the question like it's been done in that survey, mm -hmm. uh, education, security, mm -hmm. um, uh, corruption, blah, 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 all of those things. Sure, it, it may appear that we are the happiest place on earth, but like you said in the previous show, we also rank first in antidepressants, suicide, And all sorts of bad things. We, we constantly rank top there. So are we really happy or is it just the way the question is framed? Yeah, I actually have to say I don't that think we're the happiest I th at uh, all. I, yeah, yeah actually, uh, th just be... Um, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will have to just now activate my uh, gray cells in the brain. We had a guest once on a show and we were talking about this and for that I did check the statistics on antidepressants and I think Denmark was the second uh, country that is using the biggest amount of antidepressants per capita mm -hmm. only Iceland was above and those were data for the three past years I didn't dig further so Anatoly what did you wanted to add about that no uh, just to, to what Dennis somehow was saying of course they they, they, they ask They asked two questions, uh, um, and one of them is like, "How satisfied are you?" Mm -hmm. And it's it's a, a kind of different degrees or different types of happiness, like hedonic happiness, something you do now, or those mm -hmm. happiness when you you know. But it's something that they ask over a course of life, like, "How happy are you?" You know, uh, and again, this is and it's ten thousand people. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's a data over 10,000 days as such. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is, uh, yeah, that's quite, I mean, that, that points. And the average, for, if we take from zero to 10, is eight. Average. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, of course, it's, uh, it's uh, and then if we have to go into details, uh, why, of course, how can Danes uh, score so much on that? One, uh, one source of happiness is actually trust, that people trust each other so much. Mm-hmm. And that is really unusual. I would say this is an extreme. The mm. degree of trust <laughs> people have in Denmark, and maybe not, but I would say Denmark, is, is you cannot find it anywhere in the world. And what is trust? If we trust each other, we feel safe. Mm-hmm. with each other. And of course, it goes further. For example, the uh, welfare state and that we know that no matter what, you will not uh, sleep on the street and die of hunger or no matter what, we have uh, courts of law to do us justice and so on. And this is somewhere there one of those, one of those, uh, you know, one of the points or one of the elements that makes people maybe say we are satisfied with life. Yeah. Uh, and this is maybe I, I would put somewhere there happiness as life satisfaction regarding how do we see our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, now we have uh, we have uh, a lot of people pointing to, I don't know, antidepressants and so on and so on. But so what? I mean, <laughs> in, a sen- in, in a sense, so what? There are, of course, uh, problems which are never hidden that are typical of the northern country. Go to Finland, most of the people die because of alcoholism. It's so dark and so on. So, so uh, of course, there are social problems, but they're not hidden there. Uh, in this, um, if you, of course, if you want to check it, there is an Institute of Happiness in, in Denmark that we have. And they have one, uh, they have one report also, they call it in the shadow of happiness or some where they point out to the problems uh, mm-hmm. of that. And most of the problems are related. Actually, number one is general health and mental health. Mm-hmm. Like in the shadow, like on the yeah. other on the other side, but it's nothing uh, secret or hidden or yes. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, uh, because a lot of people maybe also think as hap- of happiness as uh, I remember in one of the comments in my he said yeah, but happiness can be like Mediterranean happiness or something. I mean, people all uh, all uh, have yeah. experience have some kind of experience. What is happiness? Uh, three out of four Danes would trust someone they don't know. Mm. And the world average is one out of four. That's a big difference. True. It's a huge difference. And we don't think of that so much because we kind of take it for granted, right? I came to this program. I never thought that I should expect something bad from you, right? We, st- we, no, but we, we, tr- we, we start there. Mm-hmm. We start with an automatic trust in each other, yeah. mm-hmm. right? In fact, uh, I don't know if you heard of Leustrup. There is a, a, Dan- a Danish uh, th- philosopher. He does, not, he does not even recognize mistrust. Okay. Okay. You know, mistrust does not even exist, he said. And I, it's, it's a variation of trust. Yeah. It goes so deep, eh? it goes so far. And I think it's typical of this, of this, part, of, this part of the world. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, wherever you go, uh, people don't really trust each other. They trust maybe closest people, eh? friends and so on, like the mother, father, but not as a... Not as a default, mm, uh, let's say, uh, <coughs> yeah, behavior. In, yeah. But... Um, very interesting and i was also thinking about one thing when you were talking that there are some cultures that inherently are complainers so if someone would make a specific survey like this i would imagine in poland people would tend to complain more about everything and the score would be lower so it could also be this that you basically assess the situation worse than it is because it's in somehow of uh, some sort of uh, part of your culture of the country you're coming from you know what i mean yeah but <clears throat> i understand but i don't know if there is a i mean complaining is uh, is common everywhere yeah that's <laughs> that's true although not so much maybe in 
in Denmark. No, if I may add that every time I see those surveys uh, mm-hmm. placing us uh, in in the top three uh, happiest place in the world, like you said before, we were very self-content mm-hmm. and uh, quite proud. So I think and very defensive about it. Mm. Most Danes mm-hmm. that I know, that's a personal subjective mm. experience, but yeah. you can't criticize Denmark in Denmark to Danes. Most Danes get very defensive about our system, our culture, our heritage, and all these things. So when people ask you, is Denmark the best place in the world? People tend to say, yes, of course, because we have this welfare system, we have this, we have blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's that's the case, but that's my subjective experience that mm-hmm. people are very defensive about mm. our system, our way of life. And that might, I don't know, show in these surveys. Interesting point, Dennis. Before we'll jump to the wisdom, it really is interesting because uh, I hear it from a Dane, which is great. So there is some kind of a little bit of validation. Before we'll jump into the wisdom, Marta, your last take on, on, <laughs> on this. Because you said something very interesting on the previous show. Yeah, so I I, f- I see it very bipolar. I see that on this uh, s- like outer structure, like uh, outer space, it looks like everything is fine. It looks like really the system is working pretty well compared to other countries. It really looks really good on paper. Mm-hmm. But when you start digging deeper, I think there is really this bipolarity, mm. which is some sort of like so many people that I meet are so deeply unhappy, like really on a very, very deep level, <laughs> unhappy, taking those pills, a, a very high rate of suicide. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what I shared before, like living in Poland for more than 20 years of my life, I haven't met anyone who has experienced in their closest family a suicide. In Denmark, it's everyone that I meet has someone in their family who committed some suicide. So I feel there is some bipolarity here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I personally believe Denmark is a really great country to live in. And that's why I have been living here for 11 years. Definitely. I really like the way that system works. I, with years, I started to crack the code. How do I actually can get friends in uh, like Danish friends and mm-hmm. so on. But you I are actually almost becoming a citizen. You are, you are. I am, I am soon becoming a citizen. I even cracked the Danish language code apart from the numbers. They are still uh, <laughs> lagging behind. <laughs> However, I really feel like when you then start getting closer with people, the, the deepness of the unhappiness. But it could also be maybe because of my profession that people open up with me and they, and I can sense this. But I reveal your profession to Anatoly. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am um, a coach and a conscious healing facilitator. So I feel that yeah, that bi- bipolarity. That yes, contentment and uh, proudness of the country and the system. Yes, and it's true. And at the same time, I feel that there is like uh, many people with a very deep sense of unhappiness. However, I don't know how it compares to other countries. So it's just what I feel as living here that that just exists at the same time. Yeah, I think that we gave you a lot to ponder about our dear listeners. And we will swiftly now move to the wisdom of the week. Super wise wisdom of the week. 
So today, wisdom of the week comes, of course, from you, Anatoly, and I will quote you again and then give you five minutes to just explain. I know that your lecture lasts two hours, <laughs> but you will have five undisturbed minutes to explain okay. to us what does it mean. So you have written in, uh, I think, in, in your first art. No, second. it was in second article. I think that the reason the expats find hard to settle in is rooted in the extreme quotation marks, or special Danish culture and way of life. Extreme egalitarian, extremely high levels of social trust, extremely homogeneous, extremely democratic, extremely just, and here we mean the judicial system, extremely informal, extremely monochronic, extremely happy. Danish culture is an extreme. That's our wisdom of the week. And Anatoly, please explain to us what does it mean? Yeah. Well, um, the idea of extreme is, is it's also to to have a title on it, but we can say extreme or we can say it's a it's a special uh, culture. It's a way it's a it's a it's a type of culture that in a way stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started in this article, I looked at uh, equality or in a more Nordic sense or Danish sense, equality is a lot associated with um, sameness. Uh, and homogeneity, that people are very homogeneous and very much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, that's how we see equality. Of course, uh, equality is also one of those big topics uh, uh, that can be discussed. But I argue that somewhere there, the degree of equality is also one of the highest. And I, in the article, as you can see, I point to a very simple example when I went to to the local sauna and I met the previous, uh, the former prime minister, Lars Loge, twice. Uh, and I know uh, in the sauna, yeah, he was half. I was, I think, I was the only one surprised because the rest were not surprised in the in the in the <laughs> sauna. But of course, uh, I, you might think, okay, there was only one guard sitting somewhere aside. I barely saw him. Where and how many places in the world would you see that as such? Uh, yeah. For the last 12 years or so, I've been traveling almost everywhere. I'm a big, uh, uh, now you see me in a nice uh, uh, outfit, but I'm normally a big uh, backpacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, for example, this year I went to, um, or this summer, I went to Central Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I did uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and so on. I went to a university, I remember, in, in Kyrgyzstan. The corridor where the rector was placed, the whole corridor, was not allowed for public. Okay. They did not allow me in there okay. because he's a rector. <coughs> yeah, he's there close to you know. And I mean, you might say this is uh, this is unusual. Yeah, it's unusual for for Denmark because most of the world people not have access to a prime minister like that. Uh, exactly. Yes, Seeing and there is half naked yes, in a yes. And I remember after this uh, incident, I met a British friend, uh, and and uh, because we saw the mayor later talking on talking to the to the to our mayor mm-hmm. in the library, there was nobody around. There was mm-hmm. nobody, there was nothing, nothing's happened. Uh, because we know in, in Denmark, we know that actually the pressure is on him, not on us. <laughs> we, uh, we put him there, right? Uh, uh, so, so, but, but this is in this Super sense. Super interesting. Yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is how I argued in a way it's, a, it's an extreme. And the article that, that comes on Sunday, for example, I discuss in details about trust. Um, also, also in a way that it's something that, that is an extreme. Uh, I mm-hmm. said before, uh, and I also point an example. It was a few years ago. I remember I read somewhere on the third page on Hanning Folkeblad, Hanning newspaper, mm-hmm. where I read that a pedophile man, uh, after an after a um, an assault of two children or something like this, goes to the authorities and says he's a pedophile. 
and the and the, the way the 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 um, the way the judge reacts or comments says, "Thank you so much for recognizing your problem and coming to us." I mean, really, if you show me one place in, in the world where people just simply wake up in one good morning and go and say they are they have a problem, and this again goes back to, to extreme trust in each other, in this case, extreme trust in institutions, right? That we can mm -hmm. do that. It was not a front, uh, you know, front, front, uh, news. front news. It was an ordinary, yes, you can say it's an unusual case, but maybe not so unusual for, for, for the society we're in. I went some... Two years ago, when was it? Um, there is this Olbo Carnival. It's a crazy, crazy. It place. is, I confirm. Yeah, it's a crazy. I think you need a helmet and stuff. But there were <laughs> the day. There were some. There were, I think there were, and I remember reading that again with some kind of. Uh, there were some somebody, four girls or four people, four were got raped. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I chose this, uh, but you know, got raped, and the police said, "Well, we are searching for the culprits. We're searching for who did it." Three out of four went themselves to police of those guys they hurt i mean eh, where does this happen it happens when people can ha can trust each other so much okay that that is a really <laughs> really interesting yeah. uh, and and, the, and, the, and then in a sense that's what i call danish culture as an extreme i have a lot more uh, examples and so on but exactly guys uh, <laughs> that's, that's the whole point uh, if you would like to hear all of those examples you uh, do the lecture yes and <clears> it's a two hours lecture and we will link to the website i think it's uh, there are two domains nordic students and the other yeah. one is oh, danish culture and extreme yeah but com. it's it goes to the same uh, web page and we will uh, place it in the show notes where you can actually go on uh, Anatoly webpage and you can book him uh, to basically <laughs> do the lecture. You know, it, I think it's valuable for companies, for expat associations, and then you can hear way, uh, way more and in detail on why the Danish culture is an extreme. Thank you so very much. We will now jump to the left field. <laughs> So this time I will leave Denmark alone <laughs> and I will leave expats alone and I will jump on something that uh, it it is just a teaser of a very big topic that maybe one time we'll cover on our show. But I'm really curious if you have ever heard about a concept of universal basic income. Yeah, I did. And I, if I remember well, they tried it for two years in Finland. Yes, they did. So uh, you know what it is. Another. Yeah, yeah. Marta? Yes. Dennis? I think so. Yes. Okay, so if everyone knows what it is, basically, I, I want to ask you, do you think it's a good or bad idea? And you are right. Uh, in Finland, there was an experiment when 2000 <coughs> people who were unemployed were chosen to be this kind of test bunnies. They were given 560 euros per month, no strings attached. So basically, you are getting money just for a sole existence. And that would be the idea of universal basic income. And then after two years, the experiment was stopped. We are still waiting for the official report. It will come out in 2020, which is actually kind of almost now. Uh, but then an interesting thing is that on the other side of the world, one of the Democratic president candidates, and uh, Andy Young, the Asian guy, the entrepreneur. Oh my God, that sounds so racist now, Asian guy. But mm -hmm. he is indeed yeah. the only person of Asian mm -hmm. origin who is in, in democratic elections. His main 
promise for for the people in America is that he would actually introduce universal basic income for everyone. And uh, this started to be discussed really wildly in the United States now. So I know the pros and cons by many different people. We have three minutes to close the show. So I'm really curious in one minute, are you in or are you against universal basic income? And I will start with you, Anatoly. Yeah, I'm for it. Um, of course, there are a lot of complexities and so on, but I think generally if it helps reduce poverty, uh, if it helps in some some sort of way people from the bottom, and in this case, this is what we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we do tend to think that people want to work and we need to believe that no matter what, people want to be active and work. Uh, but if, in, 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 if it helps uh, um, support people, uh, yes, I'm, I'm in for that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Marta? I uh, don't have a very strong opinion about it yet, but my first uh, intuition is uh, in general, yes. And I am aware that like with everything, there are pros and cons. Mm -hmm. But looking at things like the richest country of the world, uh, United States, I recently saw some statistics have 40% of people who are living in poverty. I believe there is enough money to give that Uh, Mm -hmm. minimum income to everyone in the world Mm -hmm. and I think that it could really help uh, increase the consciousness Mm -hmm. of uh, of the entire humanity so that's my first opinion thank you Dennis Uh, I'm I'm for it but I do recognize that uh, it it takes a a universal sense of responsibility Mm-hmm. If you implement it in a country where people will just take it, say thank you, and then do nothing because they don't have to, then it's 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 dead in the water. But that if is people a, are responsible, I'm all for it. That is a very good point that you have uh, given here, and that is one of the cons. Uh, so people say that it will promote laziness. Uh, it could promote. I potential. don't believe it will. No, it could. Uh, you are absolutely yeah. right. It could promote laziness. Uh, of course, where the hell we will take the money for it? And I think it also uh, is for some people, in some people, you know, uh, they think that it's kind of unfair that everyone gets the money. And interestingly enough, there are some people that claim that people could get depressed because if they will not have work, then what's the purpose of living if they have the universe, universal basic income? Uh, the pros are that we are having improved security, well-being, you know, stress is one of the worst diseases, modern diseases of of our generations, you know, so we don't have to figure out how we will pay the bills, we have that covered and then we can actually thrive in our life. Because if you get a job, you don't lose that uh, universal basic income, you just add to the security you have. So I think it's an, an interesting concept and I actually would like to make a whole show about it in the future mm-hmm. and maybe I will we will be finishing soon right Denise mm-hmm. so how do you feel happy not happy <laughs> I'm trying to make some statistics here I'm happy to be living in a country where I have all opportunities I just have to take them I just have to do it I'm we're not being giving everything we have to go and get it okay but Marta happy and happy in Denmark uh, I am happy in Denmark I would need to give a longer answer, so I'll just, You're just finalize happy. with this Anatoly, happy in Denmark? Well, I'm okay. Yeah, I guess I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm all yeah. right. I'm happy as well. Thank you very much for listening, and we will hear each other next week. Bye. Bye-bye.
send us your life challenge or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the5options.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks.